All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Mind Games on the Sellout Crowd Network. Very glad you're with me this week. I'm Garen Emig, columnist for Sellout Crowd at selloutcrowd.com. Catch my work and that of my colleagues at selloutcrowd.com. Writing a lot about uh, college football, even with the end of the season. Starting to hit college basketball a little bit. Always hitting the thunder hard with John Hamm and Brett Dawson. And today, a little bit of NFL chit-chat. We want to take advantage of uh, playoff fever that's gripping uh, the country and certainly Oklahoma uh, by proxy. We've got a special guest lined up for that a little Buffalo Bills talk with Jerry Ostrowski, friend of mine from Tulsa, former Bills player who's got some things I'm sure to say about the Bills exit against the, uh, the latest exit against the Chiefs. Um, first, want to thank our sponsors, Sellout Crowd. They, they do a great job with not just this show, but others and other content. Attaching their business to our work is something we do not take for granted here on the network. Uh, for the sake of mind games, they include two fellas movers, the uh, National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Midfirst Bank, Next Gen Roofing, FireLakeJobs.com, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline, and Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the latest deals and the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Okay, Jerry, last time I uh, ran you down was for a Tulsa World column on uh, heartbreak in Buffalo, unfortunately. I guess there's no other kind. Um, two years ago, they lost an arrowhead to the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes in excruciating fashion. You were terrific then. I feel sort of guilty enlisting your help now that once again, Buffalo has <laughs> bowed out of the AFC postseason at the hands of Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, where do you want to start? Is, is, is it hurt as much now as it ever did? guy who literally invested some some years of football with the Bills uh, and has become a fan of the organization since your departure? Or are you getting so used to this that you're numb to it? Well, I wouldn't say I'm numb. Um, I feel for the fan base. Yeah. Um, unless you have been a part of the Bills Mafia, I don't think that you – I don't think people really understand the amount of passion that that fan base in that city has for their football team. And, you know, the – the, the storied past of the franchise, we understand the four heartbreaks of the Super Bowls yeah. and, you know, wide right. And then we have another situation this weekend where the same thing happens. Um, you know, it is a good punchline for a lot of jokes, unfortunately. But this is a passionate fan base that I just truly believe. And, you know, growing up in Philadelphia and dealing with the heartbreak of Super Bowl losses and 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 close losses there. And eventually in 2018, they come through and finally win a Super Bowl. I'd have to think that at some point it's going to happen in Buffalo. They're going to win their championship. And, you know, unfortunately this year it did not happen. Obviously they lose 27, 24 to the mm -hmm. chiefs. But if you look at where the bills were this season and where they've gotten to, um, it's hard to not talk about, just the resilience and the overall success that this season was for the Bills, considering where they were and the situation at hand just to get to the playoffs. So um, resilient group, just like the city that they're in. And, um, yeah, I'm disappointed, but, you know, I'm not heartbroken. As as Bills fans say, you know, we always got next season. All right, so before we, we go any further, Jerry, I suppose the thing to do would be to give listeners, viewers, an idea of just how attached you you are to that organization. I mean, I mean, I could call Buffalo and talk to a columnist from the news. I could I could find someone connected to a website uh, that does a lot of Bills content. You uh, lived and breathed Bills football 
at, at then Rich Stadium. I don't, I don't, it yeah. surely wasn't high mark at the time, right? And we're on the field yeah. during the Music City Miracle. You know a lot of the players. You 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 sweat and bled with a lot of the players uh, from those that Super Bowl era with you know Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith and those guys. So um, this this is real to you, and I need, I think it's it's helpful uh, for again our audience to to understand that. You know, my first year in Buffalo was the last Super Bowl year. I was on the practice squad, and I got to experience that Super Bowl in Atlanta against the Cowboys. And, you know, after that, was up there for 10 years as a player. And it's a city that's very, very close to myself and my family. I I still go up there, try to go once a year, see friends, uh, go to a game. We got to go to a Sabres game this year and a Bills game for that uh, New England game, the last home game of the season. But it's – um. It's a tremendous community. I mean, you know, being on that airplane, uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, the feeling, it, it was a surreal feeling that sitting on that airplane after the fourth straight Super Bowl loss and seeing the look on the guys' faces like Jim Kelly's and Thurman Thomas's, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Cornelius yeah. Bennett, Daryl Talley. I'm like, and, and it was just a look of almost like bewilderment or confusion. Like they couldn't believe that it once mm-hmm. again, it happened. But it just shows you that team and kind of how they are. And uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see the the the, the four uh, the, the the thirty for thirty special on that four Super Bowl run. But it summed it up pretty well. I mean, that team kind of exemplifies the city of Buffalo. It's mm-hmm. it's a small community. I mean, there's not a lot of people in it. I mean, it's about seven hundred thousand um, young professional. You know, young people that go to college they don't come back. They go somewhere else to work usually and. It's a dying industrial town. Yeah. And um, those people, it's it's a small community. You live in it. You intertwine with the community. You know people very, very well. I mean, their houses are always open for you. And um, the Bills football teams kind of emulate the town that they're in. I mean, the Buffalo, Buffalo people are a lot like the team. They're resilient. They're hard-nosed. They're tough people. They're hard-working, blue-collar people. And it's just a really, really special relationship between that franchise and the city of Buffalo. It was, it was a really, really awesome experience to yeah. uh, be able to live there for 10 years and be a part of it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. People see, you know, the, uh, the mafia in the parking lot, right. With diving yeah. into the, 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 the tables, they, they see the guys with the, the oversized Buffalo wings on their heads, you know, their, their version of the cheese heads in the stands. Right. They see the folks, you know, stripped down to their skivvies, even though it's, you know, minus 20 out. And uh, it, it is easy to to make that sort of a mark uh, around the league, um, not in, in besides the Super Bowl failures of, of the area that you just referenced, Jerry. Well, that's that's to look at this. I think that, that's to be short sighted. Right. That's to, that's right. to not see the connection. And that's what, that's what you're speaking to here. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's what I don't unless you live in Buffalo and you understand what it's like to remove three to four foot of snow from your driveway, go inside and four hours later, go out and do it again and again and again. Um, It's the same thing. It's very, very similar. Um, You know, these past couple games in Buffalo, they've had huge snowstorms. And back in the day when I was there, it was $10 an hour. Now they bumped it to $20 an hour, but (laughs) just to see the shovel brigade show up and the people in the town willing to work, to, to get that stadium prepared, I don't think, Garen, I don't think people understand. That's a pride thing just as much mm-hmm. as, yeah, people need money. They need extra money, but it's a pride thing. They want that stadium to be perfect for when the opponent comes in and the opponent's fans come yeah. in 
and that everybody can can live that experience. I mean, it's really special. Let, put your football hat on for just a second. A- analyze what what's going on. What do you do and uh, moving forward with Josh Allen? What do you do with Stephon Diggs? What do you do right, right. with you know McDermott? Um, is, uh, how how far off do we do we react based on based on the latest setback? Just from you know changes, potential changes, and uh, right. and and let's just stay the course and hope that it breaks our way eventually. You know, we you know the previous answer I talk about the passion of the people. Obviously, they get sometimes maybe overpassionate and you know the guy and rightfully so the guy that has the crosshairs on him right now is the head coach and there's a lot of people that feel um you know McDermott's kind of jumped the shark to give a happy days reference um and this is as far as they're going to go maybe get to an AFC championship game and never get to that Super Bowl and I don't agree with that I think Sean McDermott's a tremendous coach I think his personality his temperament is perfect for the city of Buffalo and I just look back at the last 17 years before this playoff run and all the different coaches we had that came in and left. And I think Sean's perfect. I mean, Sean, Sean is a, is a tough, hard nosed guy. I mean, a lot of people don't understand this, Garen. I don't know if you know this, but he went to William and Mary. He played defensive back and one of his defensive back teammates, do you know who this is? Mike Tomlin, him and Mike Tomlin played college football oh, together. In William that. and Mary. Oh, that is and, a steal. Um, yeah, they were both they were both uh, defensive backs. He's a lot like Mike, um, and you know I think what solidified it to me was watching last season. You can say what you will about last season, but the the Mar Hamlin situation was just something that nobody's ever dealt with before in the NFL, and to see how he handled that and how he got his team um, rallied and prepared as well as he could to play after that just tragic, you know, mm-hmm. experience and situation solidified it to me. I mean, he's a good, he's a good man. And uh, it's hard nowadays to find good head coaches that are also good men. And uh, he's a good man. I think he's perfect for the city. Uh, as far as the team goes, I think they do have some holes on their roster. I think it's obviously you got a top three quarterback in the world. I mean, Josh Allen does things physically that I've never seen another quarterback do. Um, mm-hmm. Is Patrick Mahomes a better quarterback? Yes, I believe that is so. I think this is a guy has been to six straight, what, six straight AFC championship games? I mean, obviously the guy can play, and I think, you know, that's what happened this weekend. Um, if, if really, if you want to look at it, between injuries at linebacker and defensive back that decimated that Bills defense, um, you know, they got Mahomes. Uh, it's, there's no other way to look at it. I mean, the guy's tremendous. But you got Josh Allen. He's still young. Um, you got a great head coach that understands defense. They'll fill those holes at linebacker. They got guys coming back from injury. Um, Milano's the main piece in that. Um, you know, Bernard, the former uh, Baylor Bear, he did a just an unbelievable job of filling in that role for for Terrell Edmonds when he left in free agency. So they've got the pieces. There is a few things they're going to need to look at. Maybe another cornerback. They're old at safety with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, two just tremendous players, but they are over 30 and it's starting to take a, it's wear and tear on them, but they've got to find a guy that a receiver that can stretch the field. Um, Diggs, while he can do that, some is really more of a across the middle type guy, a route running type guy, not really your home run hitter. They got to find a guy at receiver that can get downfield for explosive plays. Um, they address the, the tight end role. You know, wonderfully in the draft this year with Dalton Kincaid, who's probably could be rookie of the year in the league. I mean, he's had a tremendous season. 
Offensive line solidified. Running back is good with Cooks. Um, so when you look at this team, some linebackers, some safeties, but really they got to get some weapons at receiver to try to stretch that field. But, Garen, I say all this with the fact that knowing right now as we sit here and speak, they're $29 million over the salary cap. So they're going to have to spend every dollar wisely, um, which they will. But uh, it will be tough to really just go out and shop because they're going to be a little bit uh, cash-strapped this season. Well, if you if you began with McDermott, then to see someone were to come to you and say you could you could have Belichick tomorrow if it meant a a McDermott resignation, it would open the door for a guy who who'd actually like to try to uh, you know build what he did at New England in Buffalo. You'd say no thanks. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I would. I would say no thanks. I mean, because he's going to have to blow the roster up and redo it. I don't think people understand. It takes a special type of player to play for a Bill Belichick, and I'm not yeah. saying there's not guys in that roster that can. But I just think that the roster that's built, um, it's it's kind of – the guys are kind of fraternity-like. I mean, they they have fun. I mean, you can watch them every week. Deion Dawkins is leading some kind of dance party in the locker room. Josh Allen's a lighthearted guy. So it's going to take – if you bring in a Bill Belichick, it's going to take you getting rid of some guys because some of those dudes aren't going to respond to that type of coaching. So it would be yeah. a little bit different, I think, than it is now. And I'm not saying McDermott's easy. I'm just saying yeah. it's a little, you know, his style's different than Bill's. Gotcha. Those with the team out of the playoffs, either who didn't make it or got knocked out, in my case it was the Steelers getting knocked out by your Bills, gravitate to organizations like Buffalo, Jerry, for some of the reasons you, you laid out earlier in the show. You know, again, the, the pull of, of the organization, the, the connection between fan base and, and team personalities, that kind of thing. Seems to, seems to me – the, of the four who are remaining, the four championship teams, um, Detroit fills that role now. Is yeah. is that is that a correct read to you, or are you are you getting behind someone else? No, I, I think you're you're 100 correct. Um, I don't know if you got to see that promo when they did the whole eight mile skit and they had Jared Goff driving the car as opposed to Marshall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was that was awesome to me. I mean, yeah. And I think the thing that Detroit has done, and I think the thing that Detroit has done better than anybody in the NFL is they've embraced who they want to be and they don't reach for players because they're good or whatever. They go get players that fit what they want to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Dan Campbell and even the hiring of Dan Campbell, right? I mean, anymore nowadays, it's if I'm going to hire a head coach, it has to be one of two things, a prior head coach or a coordinator, right? Well, Dan Campbell was neither one of those things. He was a position coach in the NFL. Yeah. And they they saw him as a guy that fit what they wanted, fit the city, and um, brought him in. They got Chris Spielman back in the fold, and they got him as an advisor. Um, and by the way, I was I did an interview with his brother um, not too long ago, former GM of the Vikings, and the 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 Malcolm Rodriguez pick in Detroit was had Spielman written all over it. If there was ever a guy that reminded me of Chris Spielman, it would be Malcolm Rodriguez, but. Yeah. You know, going you know back to that franchise, I just think they've done a wonderful job of filling players that fit the roles that they want. And um, yeah, I mean that's the team I'm pulling for. As much as I love Baltimore, and I've always been a Baltimore fan, I love Lamar Jackson. Um, I think he's you know, I love his story too because this is a guy that not too long ago had general managers openly jumping ahead to tell people we are not interested in him. Mm-hmm. And the the whole contract negotiation and how long it took for Baltimore to sign him, and now he's got him in an AFC Championship game, along with a tremendous defense. But 
Yeah, I mean, you have to get behind Detroit, right? I mean, it's just it's just an mm-hmm. awesome story. If ninety percent again, if ninety percent of the neutrals will pull for them to beat San Francisco to yeah. to upset the Niners, will they? That's that becomes another question. What do you think? Do they have I, a shot? I think they have a shot because they the way they play, they're not going to make mistakes. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to stop the run. They're going to try to establish a run. And the thing that they do well that I think a lot of teams have a hard time with with San Francisco is, you know, Shanahan, they it's it starts with the way they walk out on the field. You know, the guy's carrying a huge boom box, and the first guy out there, you know, is your left tackle. And who, by the way, probably could arguably be the best left tackle that's ever played. But, you know, this is a team that likes to bully people. They like to intimidate people a lot like Baltimore does. And mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to do that with Detroit. And I think the matchup fits. I think it really does. And this this might only be a 14-9 to game, but it's it's going to be a good one if you like physical football. You, t- you referenced Jackson over in the AFC. Does this feel now comfortably like his breakthrough about to happen? Uh, or does he still – have to beat obviously he's going to have to beat Mahomes to get to the, the ultimate game but right. uh, d- does he need that to have fully uh, if there's something left for him to to break through is this is this it I mean does he does he need yeah. another two postseason games for that to occur I think unfortunately for Lamar he's a lot like Josh Allen um, until they win it all they're going to continually be um, I don't want to say ridiculed but criticized mm-hmm. for not winning the big game or not winning the championship. Um, uh, unfortunately for Lamar, I think no matter what he does, that's what his legacy will be built upon or will be judged by whether he wins a, a championship or not. So, yeah, I do believe that. I think that as good as he is and the numbers he's put up, and I think arguably, I don't even want to say arguably, I mean, I think he's going to be your MVP of the league. Um, he still is going to have to win that championship to get people off of his back. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's, that's a, there's a certain fair versus unfair uh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. like if it's just like I, you know, I, I a lot of people are criticizing Josh Allen for the mm-hmm. loss on on Sunday, and if you if you're if you're blaming Josh Allen for that loss, then you didn't watch the game. Um, it's that simple. Um, you can say what you want. You know, to me, that game was lost on defense. Obviously, they were in shambles. They had a practice squad player starting a middle linebacker. Um, Russell Douglas was playing on one leg. Uh, at corner, but the inability of the Bills' defense to stop Pacheco in the run, the running game of the Chiefs was the number one factor in why that team lost. I mean, Patrick Mahomes only threw the ball 23 times. So that should tell you all you need to know. How worried should the Ravens be about Kansas City? I, I thought they were – man, I thought a couple of weeks ago, I thought this is it. I mean, they just right. – they did not look like – I mean, they just looked out of sorts, right? I mean, they were – they weren't moving the ball. They weren't – they weren't – uh Things were off on the sidelines. There were, there was, it felt like some, some animus between players. That that wasn't the Chiefs right. uh, the last few years that I recognized. And and you could and for them to have turned it around as quickly as they have is a little bit stunning and therefore perhaps worrisome for the Ravens. Or is Baltimore playing well enough that it shouldn't matter? Well, one thing about the Chiefs that they've done all season long, um, Spagnola's had that defense playing at a high level. Uh, Chris Jones has played tremendously well. They also have a very physical defense. So defensive-wise, they've been playing good and kept the Chiefs around. Um, Offensively, obviously, no matter how good your quarterback is, if you don't have weapons at receiver, 
it doesn't matter. And they, you know, they've had some growing pain, pains at receiver. They've had drops at receiver. Um, Rice recently kind of uh, broke through a little bit and been a guy and go to. And obviously Travis Kelsey being, you know, on the north side of 30, um, a guy that, you know, parentally is the best tight end in the league. He had an injury early in the season. He, I think now is finally showing that he's healthy. Um, he had a great game this past weekend. But, you know, until somebody beats Mahomes, you know, how do you not pick the Chiefs, right? Um, it will be a tall task for them this weekend. I think Baltimore's defense is is wonderful. I think they will be able to stop the run, and that's going to put more on us on those receivers, uh, Kelsey and uh, Mahomes, to, to try to make plays downfield. It'll be a lot tougher for them this weekend than it was last. Okay, fair enough. You got time for some exit questions? A little lighter yeah, side? I've got whatever you need, man. I've got I've got time today. What's uh what's the coldest you ever were in Buffalo all those years? Uh first season in Buffalo, we talked about it earlier as on the practice squad. We played the we played the Raiders in the divisional uh round. And the temperature of the game, we were at zero to kick, and the wind chill was minus thirty-two degrees. Uh it is still the coldest game in the history of the NFL. And it was, it was to see how he long wears sleeves, how he long never wore sleeves. And the toughest guy I knew at the time, a Villanova grad, a dude that I watched and loved was wearing yeah. sleeves. I was like on the sideline in shock. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, that was the coldest game I was ever in. And then the next week against, we played Joe Montana and the chiefs yeah. in the AFC championship game. And um, that was the game that Bruce Smith pretty much ended Montana's career, hit him on a, a blindside sack. Yeah, he I remember that. He head off the cold turf and uh, the rest is history. But that game was not as cold as the week before, but it was close. So, um, yeah, we finished the cold ones. Did you go put sleeves on after you saw Long? <laughs> I was in the practice squad, Garen, so I was in a coat. Also, like, right. I, I, layers, I, man. I wasn't – I didn't have to wear a uniform, but – I'll tell I didn't you, know, I didn't know solidarity, right? <laughs> you know, I never wore sleeves though. I never wore sleeves when I played, and my son never wore sleeves when I coached the offensive line in uh, in uh, at Holland Hall for for about fifteen years. Those guys never wore sleeves. They knew how I felt about <laughs> sleeves. And what's funny is, if you remember, and this is a, a good story for for this, you know, Oklahoma. Right. Thurman was in the Buffalo for his whole career, and his last his last season he went to Miami and played for the Dolphins as a free agent. Pat Jones is actually the tight ends coach down there, talked yeah. Thurman into coming down. One of the reasons they brought Thurman in was to kind of be a mentor to some of these younger guys, you know, kind of create some toughness amongst them and show them what it takes to be a, a champion. And they were getting ready to play in Buffalo, and Thurman told all of them, he goes, you're not wearing sleeves because Thurman never wore sleeves. And he's like, you're not wearing sleeves. He goes, you guys come out. He goes, all we do is sit on the sidelines and just laugh at you. You got hoodies on. You got like three different shirts on. He's like, we're not wearing sleeves. And they did. They came out and 90% of them didn't have sleeves on. Right. So, uh, yeah, um, it's just a mental thing. Um, but if, you, if you're in it long enough and you have your routine, it's, it's pretty easy to stay. You're never warm, okay? You're, when you play, you're never warm, but – you got a big sideline coat. You got a you got a knit hat, and um, you got the heated bench. The heated bench makes everything possible. If you did not yeah. have the heated bench, it would be brutal. So as long as you got the heated bench, anything's possible. 
All right, so I referenced Buffalo's cold. We got to reference <laughs> Buffalo's uh, cuisine. What's the most uh, wings? What's the most wings, Jerry? You ever ever ate in one sitting? Uh, I've eaten between thirty and fifty before. Is that but, right? Um, yeah, I had some help that created a mass amount of hunger. <laughs> it was one of those deals where you, you showed up at the wing joint at two in the morning, right? But no, I went up there. We went up there a few weeks ago. We went to a place called Nine One One Tavern, which has it's this little dive hole in the bar, hole in the wall bar that is on a in the bottom of a house. I think the owners live upstairs. They don't take credit cards, only cash. Best wings I've ever had in Buffalo. And uh, they brought a plate out of 30, and they had them stacked up all nice and neat. I didn't hit all 30, but I hit a majority. I definitely hit over 50% of them. <laughs> that's for sure. How deep do you get with the sauce, man? Are you like, no, that's not hot enough? No, I mean, when I was younger, you know, you want to pound your chest and say, you, you know, you use the hottest wings you can get because that's what you do, right? You're stupid. I like the taste. I like to taste the sauce. I like the wing. I like to taste the wings. I don't want to be hurt by the wings, right? Um, so we go with regular hot. Um, that's more than enough. And I think some of the places up there have a few different things they might put in them to, to differentiate their style. But uh, a good, hot basic buffalo wing it's hard to beat yeah i hear you all right toughest sob you ever lined up against playing pro football Ooh, toughest toughest dude i ever played against well the hardest guy that i ever played against for me anyway was uh leon let with uh when he was with dallas okay, okay. And re- you know they called him big cat and they mm-hmm. called him that for a reason because he was so agile he was so quick but the thing about me was I had really long arms for my height. I mean, I probably got arm length of a 6'8 guy, and I'm 6'4". And so my arm length and everything was always an advantage to me. Leon's the first dude I ever played against that he had his hands on me before I could get mine on him. Because mm-hmm. his arms were longer than mine were. And it just – it's a really – it's an unsettling feeling when you're trying to block somebody and their hands are on you controlling you before you control them. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. So he was, he was the toughest player I played against as far as in the league. Now there's guys out there that were grinders, tough dudes, but just difficulty and just a guy that could flat play. It would be Leon Lett. That's a, that's a kind olive branch, man, because everyone, of course, you, you say Leon Lett, right? The default is to the Super Bowl moment. Right. Like, guys. Right. We're, we're not talking. Uh, we're not talking about anything like that. We're just talking about playing I know, ability. Right? I know. No, I hear. <laughs> that was let though, right? They got caught from behind by. Oh uh, yes, yes, it was. was. It Tasker yeah. or BB? I always forget who the bill was who caught him. Was it BB or Tasker? It was BB. BB. Um, okay. BB was known for his speed. Uh, played at Chandron State in Nebraska, and actually has a speed school up there now. That's where he's from. Oh yeah, and, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, BB was the guy who caught him. I mean, crazy fast, overachieving, max effort guy. So it's not a shock that he was the dude that got the ball out. Emporia State, right? Leon Lett, I think. Yes, I think he- Emporia he- State is Leon Lett. That is correct. Very good call. Yeah, missed the Tomlin. Yeah, I feel ashamed of myself for not picking up <laughs> Tomlin and William and Mary earlier in the show. So I redeem myself. You you set up like you uh you've got your own thing cooking, uh, Jerry. You you got uh, you got a pod. I, yeah. Go ahead, everyone. Yeah, you know, I I I enjoyed my radio time. I liked when I had my radio show, and I I will eventually probably gravitate back to the radio at some point. I had an opportunity to go back on a few years ago, 
I just felt it wasn't something I could do with my son playing at Tulsa um, yeah. because I'm a firm believer and you have to talk truth. You have to speak what's going on. And I didn't ever wanted to say anything about the program or the school to where he would have to answer for what his dad said. So I didn't do radio, but a buddy of mine, well, a guy that I played with in Buffalo for seven, eight years, John Fina, who was a left tackle, I was talking to him one day on the phone, and he was doing a podcast with this group called Buffalo Rumblings. It's tied to SB Nation. And he said, hey, come on the show one time. And I did it, and they're like, hey, you're, you know. I was like, yeah, I I can get around it a little bit. I've done it before. So they asked me to do a show. So they actually paired me up with a girl that I'd never met before in my life, a girl named Sarah Larson, who lives in Fort Lauderdale, who grew up in in Buffalo. So we do a show on Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock called Line to Gain. And we do it on uh, YouTube, and then we podcast it as well. So it's kind of a cool perspective because you got the former player and the football guy and a girl who is now 60, 62 straight games she's been to. Okay. Um, and, you know, you get more of that kind of a fan perspective and how a fan, you know, and she knows football, and she's a she's a freaky capologist. So the offseason – it's kind of when she shines because she's really good at the cap and understands all the numbers and, um, you know, knows the game. But you get that side of it and then my side of it, and it meshes really, really well. So that's that's what we do. It. We'll be off this week because uh, I get my knee replaced tomorrow. But uh, hopefully next week I'll be out of my out of my painkiller fog long enough Maybe. to be able to do the show. <laughs> Maybe. Man. I hope – Tell me you're not. Tell me you're not doing doing a surgery a, a month like like you know the horror stories you hear about the. No, the, the, no, the I'm life. actually pretty fortunate, Garen. Okay, I've, yeah. I've yeah, I've only had a few. I've only had a few things that I've had to deal with. I have had my left knee replaced in 18. Um, it was really bad. Um, now I got to get my right knee replaced. I'm I'm pretty bow legged, so bow leggedness is good when you're playing because it's kind of built in knee braces, right? It's kind of hard to get rolled up on the outside when your legs are already bowed out. But when you get done and you, you stop playing and you retire, it's not necessarily good for cartilage wear. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely um, going to have to get my other knee replaced. And other than that, maybe a knee scope to clean up a meniscus. But other than that, I've knocked on wood. I've been good. But, uh, you know, That's I'm on the north side of 50 now and starting to get into all those things as well. So just part of life. Okay, well, we're going to wish you well with regard to that. We're going to wish you well with regard to your show. We want to thank you for coming on, talking about the Bills and the NFL playoffs. We'll run you down for some college football talk before long. Uh, you've been great. We, uh, you've been helpful to me as long as I've been writing for the Tulsa World. Glad that's still the case now that I'm with Sellout Crowd. Thanks very yeah. much for tuning in and watching, listening to the show. We'll be back next week with another episode, perhaps football, perhaps a little hoops, now that we tick toward March. Thanks to Jackal and Musgrove, our tireless producer behind the scenes, for keeping us on the air. Thanks to Michael Lane, our creative director, Michael Martin, all the crew at Sellout Crowd. Uh, we put out the work every day. All we ask is that you give us a shot. Check out other, uh, check us out either in written form or podcast form. Myself, my colleagues, it's a, it's a labor of love. We hope you along for the ride as, as, uh, as, as much as you can. So stay warm, stay safe, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>